The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Sharp lessons, everybody. Stadium Sports Betting Podcast back for another week. Sports betting and Nate turn the calendar pages. The start of October, the leaves changing, the weather's getting crispy. Taking some morning walks on Saturday mornings to get my coffee before watching these college football games. It's finally feeling like fall, and we're turning the calendar to week six of college football already. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, time really flies by, especially in a sport like college football. There's 13 weeks of the regular season, and we're just about halfway there. And it just shows that we spend so much time in the preseason doing our homework, and then in a snap, it's already uh, the middle of conference play. But this is really the best time of year because there's still a lot of teams that have hopes, not realistic shots, but at least hopes of maybe being a player in the college football playoff. And there's a lot more games involving conference-on-conference teams. So it's usually – for the most part, good on good, and then NFL Week Five, uh, that that always uh, goes by super quick, at least in my opinion. But looking forward to talking about uh, this week off some some good bets that we had on last week's show with uh, a perfect record on the best bets. Yeah, he's Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. You can find us on uh, Twitter at our respective names. You can find the show Twitter at Stadium Bets, where we post all the videos and all the tweets and all of our records. We have a sheet now, a Google Sheet you can go to. It's all free. Look at the bets that we're making for the best bets segment of the uh, of the podcast. And, Nate, we're back on top. We're feeling good. Clean sweep throughout the entire weekend. The Iowa team total under 15.5 hit for me. Mississippi State minus 3.5 hit for you. And we go, both got 49ers minus 1.5. They came through. Jimmy G at home against the Rams came through for us. So the show record in total right now is 13-8, 62% win percentage, and it's really been you that's been carrying it at seven and two. I'm just six and six, fifty percent, really holding us down at this point. But you've got a stunning seventy-eight percent win percentage. Yeah, I have been very selective this year. Usually, just maybe one to three bets a week in terms of best bets, just kind of giving out my best stuff that we do on Thursday night, and then I also might add a few more bets to my spreadsheet or my, you know, just general betting accounts. But kind of wait on some numbers. So if it's not there Thursday, then Make sure to follow me on Twitter for more plays. But, yeah, it's been a good start kind of just, you know, picking picking spots, being patient, letting the board come to you. And uh, if there isn't much to do in, in a week, that there might be another week that there's going to be a lot more bets. So just kind of a, a patient approach um, in terms of football betting, something that uh, it takes a while to, be, to learn and to be patient and kind of uh, discipline, but – I feel like I've been doing this for like seven or eight years. So kind yeah, of you got learned. a good feel for it. Yeah. So if, if you're new to this, just know that uh, you don't have to have, you know, 10 bets, especially like side bets on a, in a very uh, efficient market or a, a market where the, the numbers are pretty tight. And uh, yeah, because at that point, you're basically guessing. And when you're at the bet minus 110 on those games, paying 11 to win 10, it's hard to uh, just basically bet games at like 50-50. So 
good start so far, but last year at this time had a little bit of a lull in October. So uh, know that things could definitely turn. So always try to stay humble and on to the next week. Stay grounded, Nate. 78%. Don't know how long that can last. Hopefully it lasts Just, it, into this it, week at least. It's a small sample size, show, though. Only uh, only nine bets so far for it's best true. bets for this year. So, yeah, I, I, I could easily go uh, two and seven in my next nine if I, you know, press or make poor bets. So uh, hopefully we'll avoid that. But ready to talk about uh, what we learned and, and the rest of the week for uh, or some of the early line moves that we've seen already. Yeah, for, uh, I mean, that's why we do this show weekend. on. That's why we do the show on Tuesdays. We try to get the early line movement, try to jump on a line that maybe we'll move later on in the week, try to get a better number than we may if we start betting on, you know, Saturday morning, you wake up and, and roll over and make some bets. It's important to bet some of these games now, some of these games Tuesday and Wednesday. And before we do any of that, before we look at some of the opening numbers for NFL, for college, what did we learn? We want to we want to try to get a lesson every single weekend. And Nate, what I learned this week is you absolutely cannot trust colleges, college teams, when it comes to reporting injuries. And I was really high on Minnesota. And I like Minnesota, even with Aiden O'Connell out. I liked them at, you know, minus eight and a half, minus nine. I really like their offense. They got Tanner Morgan, who's been a great quarterback. They got Mo Ibrahim, who's been an awesome running back. But guess what? He was out the whole entire game, Mo was. They didn't talk about it at all the week leading up to it. People really didn't know. And then come Saturday, they held him out the entire game. So I'm done. I'm done trusting these colleges to report these injuries early on in the week, report them throughout the week. And it helps us as betters to make a, to make an informed decision. But we can't do that when they're not really releasing any information. Yeah, and you'd, you'd hope eventually that there'd be more accountability in college football in terms of the injury reports. I mean, it, the reason why the NFL is, is not easy, but the NFL and, and the NBA are leagues that kind of embraced fantasy and the betting aspect aspect and they require their teams to have uh, correct injury reports throughout the week and leading up to the game I guess in the NBA maybe a little different because players could be late scratches for mysterious injuries but I think for the most part there's at least some knowledge about injuries because it's pro sports and it's kind of regulated but in college sports where there's not really a full-on governing body like making rules about things like that it's in the best interest for a lot of these coaches not to reveal potential injuries because then the opponent doesn't know what they're dealing with. So I don't blame the college coaches, I guess, for doing that approach. But in terms of betting, and it, it sucks for us, the, unless we have any knowledge of injuries or, or deep inside sources, and with so many college football teams, it's impossible to have know about every single team in in college football unless you're really well connected and have a lot of uh, connections and time to parse that all that out. So, yeah, I guess that's just kind of a, a thing to, to be aware of. And even if you don't think an injury exists, there could be something that the team is holding back just because they don't have to say it because it's not against the uh, not within the construct so of the rules. Dumb. So it's hopefully really, one really day dumb. I could see one day, though, um, because, you know, college sports knows the significance of betting in terms of interest of their sport, that there could be some sort of rule eventually. So um, for now, it's just some obstacle we have to do. And if it's something that it's, you know, might prevent you from betting a game, you can maybe wait to bet live or just bet NFL and pro sports that regulate it. So 
Yeah, it kind of sucks, yeah. but it sucks. It's terrible. It's just a bad happen. way to go about things. It really is. And it was frustrating to bet on that team. And then uh, their best player, essentially their best offensive player, other than their quarterback, is out for the entire game. And, and you're not getting a good line at all when that happens. So yeah. just be on the lookout. Be aware of maybe there's some injuries to look at. There was, another, there was another example of a game like that. Friday night, Tulane, Houston. Tulane took a lot of money in the in the early in the week, got bet down to plus two and a half at Houston. And then I was looking at the uh, the odds screen on Friday morning, and all of a sudden Houston got out to three, three and a half, four. And, and in that case, you just kind of like, there's you know, there must be some sort of injury or something. And I was looking on Twitter yeah. and – there was just like whispers that the quarterback might be hurt, but there was never really any confirmation. Sure enough, that quarterback was hurt. Uh, and then Tulane has their, I think it was their third string guy, and, and he ends up winning, helping him win the game uh, because Tulane kind of runs a, a gadget offense where the quarterback isn't as important or the drop off between starter and backups isn't, isn't as great. But yeah, there, there's just stuff like that where if something lights up like that, then there must be some inside information about something. Unfortunately, when there's so many games on a Saturday morning, uh, this was like a Friday night, one of five games. But on a Saturday morning, when there's like 40 to 50 games that day, things like that might get overlooked, especially an early start. So, um, yeah, just kind of one of those things about betting college sports uh, that there could be stuff like that that happens or or players who didn't make the trip and they don't tell you until an hour before the game or we're getting into the colder weather, it's flu season. Uh, there was times, games last year, where there were just like 20 players on the team had a non-COVID illness and like wiped out a whole like position unit, and we didn't know that till the day of the game. So uh, that's obviously could happen again as the weather gets cooler and players might get sick and the sickness spreads across the locker room. So, yeah, just something to be aware of that. Sometimes it'll work in your favor because you bet on a team and then the other team has a has an issue, but sometimes it'll work against you. All right, so let's look at some of these opening lines for college football at the very least. Well, there's only two significant movement in these some of these games that we were looking at, and it's DCU at Kansas. Game day finally going to Kansas. They're shunning the Red River rivalry. They're shunning Texas A&M and Alabama. They're going to Kansas, the middle of the cornfields for TCU and the Jayhawks. And that line has moved from TCU to minus five to TCU minus seven. And it seems like uh, smartly, I would think a lot of the money is going on the Horned Frogs. It makes sense. I think, Nate, it seems that Sonny Dykes' team is kind of now the uh, when we talk sexy picks on Thursday, seemingly people are kind of starting to become aware of how good this TCU team is can be and so the money seemingly is going from tcu starting on sunday and rising it all the way to a touchdown favorite at kansas which has been a cover darling a win darling and just kind of the darling cinderella team of college football all season long and when they're not even getting the money at home with college game day i think that's definitely something to look at and be aware of where that money is going when it's not on the team that you might expect given the circumstances Right, and uh, in terms of TCU, a team that was kind of interesting going into the year as maybe a bye team, a team with a new coach and Sonny Dykes, and for years they had Gary Patterson. So it was a really big change for TCU, just kind of like philosophy, just Sonny Dykes being more of an offensive-minded guy. And TCU has played very well, and it was uh, 
shown last week when they scored 41 points in the first half against Oklahoma, winning 55-24, kind of taking their foot off the gas as the game, as like the second half was going on. There wasn't much scoring in that, as maybe TCU was thinking maybe ahead of this game against uh, somehow five and zero Kansas, possible. who's currently ranked. It's just kind of hard to comprehend Kansas, and it's kind of hard to like think about them in terms of the point spread because Kansas in week two was a 14-point underdog at West Virginia. So the upgrade in terms of their power rating has probably been justified. Uh, But last week, Kansas, as a three-point home underdog to Iowa State, really barely hung on. They scored two touchdowns in the second quarter, got out to a 14-0 lead, and just kind of staved off Iowa State. Kansas only had 213 yards of total offense. Iowa State missed three field goals, including a potential game tire with 37 seconds left. So it's kind of hard to like figure out what this line should be or like how much we should upgrade Kansas um, from the beginning of the season and like what we thought about them before the year because they have done a, an amazing job and exceeded all expectations. But I wonder if this is kind of the game where they step up in class a little bit against a TCU team coming off a big win. I know I don't love betting teams coming off big wins, but I did bet TCU minus six just because I thought the number was a little bit short in this game. And, and if you told me TCU was undefeated going into this game before the year, I thought they, they would have probably, I would have thought against Kansas, been like a, a two touchdown, maybe even a 17 point favorite. So I think this is the opportunity to fully sell high on Kansas and bet on a good TCU team who figures they figured out their quarterback situation with Max Duggan. He was awesome against Oklahoma last week. And I really like the Horn Frogs in this game at, at seven or better. Yeah, it's interesting. It's hard to kind of get a, for me, it's hard to get a grip on this game and not really, because I do like Kansas and Kansas was my underdog pick in the article. I watched stadium.com last week because, you know, you're going to get them at a three point underdog. You're going to get them a plus money at home against a, a decent Iowa state team, but they had all that momentum. They were at home, sold out game, all of that stuff. This game, this time too, you're going to have a team coming in. Going to be game day, and we talked about Appalachian State getting game day and how that would affect them. They almost lost to Troy, that had yeah. not been for the the Mountain Miracle number two. So, I think this is a game Kansas can maybe cover. They can maybe cover. Not definitely. I'm not going to be betting their money line, but I just if this line gets up past seven and a half, eight, I might have to turn towards Kansas because that's a lot. That's a high number. That's a high number on the Jayhawks, a team that is one of the best offensive teams in the country. And defensively, they really showed up against Iowa State. So maybe their defense, as the weeks goes on, have been getting a little better than they were at the start of the year. So I'm not fully prepared to completely turn heel against Kansas. But if that number continues to rise, I'm going to have to back the Jayhawks. Yeah, and it looks like Circa and Las Vegas just went to 6.5 on uh, on Kansas or on TCU. Getting some of the money back already, yeah. So maybe it's kind of, it's kind of nice to see that just because we kind of know now that like the bottom of it was, you know, TCU minus five. I think you were doing like minus four for a second on Sunday, but I guess seven is kind of like the resistance point. So Seems um, that as way. I said, I, I'd still be fine with TCU minus six and a half. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't go past seven um, currently just because maybe there's still room for Kansas to be even better than we think, which is hard to believe given the state of that program over the last decade and a half. Let's talk LSU-Kentucky. This is a game that probably should be a night game. It's an 11 a.m. local time game in Baton Rouge, which I think personally gives Tennessee a huge advantage. And they come into this game 
as a three-point favorite. It started out LSU was plus four. They've moved to plus three now as the home dog. Uh, they're coming off a win against Auburn. Didn't cover 21-17. And they really needed a good second half to get past Auburn because it looked like right out of the gate, Auburn was ready. They were prepared. They got some defensive stops. They looked good. And then LSU kind of took control of that game, and they were able to get the win. Not the cover, but the win. Um Tennessee, I know you and I both really like it. We talked about it minus two and a half. We both hit them at minus two and a half. Now they're up to a field goal favorite on the road off of a bye. Interesting spot for the Vols. How much higher does this number have to get before you say, okay, let's it's it's time to either not bet Tennessee at all or even start looking at LSU? Yeah, I think at three and a half I would I'd hold off, but at three or better, I, I'd still bet Tennessee. I'm, I was a little surprised to see that number go below three on Monday morning to two, two and a half. And I bet minus two and a half on Tuesday morning. I know you did too. And, and I talked to uh, Alex Simmons into it. And then a yeah. few hours later was, was minus three across the board. And I'd, I'd still play the balls at minus three. You mentioned coming off a buy. So I like the spot a lot for Tennessee. Great uh, they're spot. Coming, yeah. They're coming off a game. So yeah. So coming off the buy and, and this is a big game, it kind of negates the potential look ahead uh, with Alabama coming to Knoxville next week. Uh, Tennessee also beat Florida the week before. So I think the bye just kind of comes at that perfect point where they can reset. After that Florida game, a game where they were up 17 late and then Florida had a couple late touchdowns to make the scoreboard look a lot closer than the game actually uh, probably ended up being. Uh, but as you mentioned, LSU, very fortunate winner against Auburn. Auburn had four turnovers, including one horrific one in the red zone where the halfback kind of like threw a an arid pass to an L, right at an LSU defender. So I feel like LSU pretty strong defense, but a lot of question marks on offense and in Tennessee, I know their defense isn't great, but I think that their defense is good enough to stop what LSU has right now in terms of uh, their offense. And then you mentioned the early start time is a huge deal. It negates huge. some of the home field advantage an 11 a.m. game really puzzling why it's an 11 a.m. game. I know the uh, it's a CBS doubleheader with the night game being Texas A&M Alabama, which maybe was planned before the year just because that was expected to be the two best teams in the SC West. And we know about the feud between Jimbo and Saban. So a lot of, you know, ratings, but this game should be t- at two 30 over the Auburn Georgia game, which I know is one of the biggest rivalries and historic rivalries in the SEC and the Southeast. But the spread in that game is Georgia. I think it's 30 or 29 and a half. So yep. that's going to be a non-competitive game. I'm sure uh, if they had it their way, CBS would love to flip that game and have this at 230, especially with Tennessee coming in with a lot of hype and, and really a, a team with a lot of upside with Hendon Hooker playing so well quarterback, just making smart throws, not turning over the ball. And, and one of the the last reason I, I really like Tennessee in this game, if you, if you look at just a, a recent point spread involving LSU at home against an SEC opponent, Mississippi State closed minus three at LSU a few weeks ago. Tennessee is better than Mississippi State. So to get the Vols at minus three off a bye in a game that's early start, it's not going to be as raucous of an atmosphere at Death Valley. Tennessee just lines up as a really strong play for me uh, this week at minus three or better. Yeah, you convinced me to do it. So I'm I'm on Tennessee as well, minus two and a half, minus three, probably going to be your best bet if that line stays in that area on Thursday. Yep. I wanted to talk one more college football game out with you, Nate. Let's talk it out. I, I really like Kentucky, and I think the the post-game win percentage for Ole Miss uh, after that game against Kentucky was like 54%. Kentucky probably should have won that game, uh, or at the very least 
sent it to overtime yeah. with the way they played Ole Miss, especially sure. leaving five points on the board, possibly eight with the Will Levis fumble that could have turned into a field goal. Either way, Kentucky minus 10 against South Carolina. Kentucky's back at home this week. Uh, that line has moved on some sites from 10.5 to 10. I really like it at 10. Is there a reason I shouldn't take Kentucky minus 10 against South Carolina? That is, South Carolina is not a good team this year, and especially no, I, they're going to be on the road. Yeah, I would actually say not to bet this. I actually, in my early kind of research, I circled South Carolina as a, as a team that maybe is catching Kentucky at the right time off a tough loss to Ole Miss. Also, just some kind of worries about Will Levis having to like cover big spreads. I know he gets, he might be the number one pick in the NFL draft, but I still don't think he's he's amazing, and he's playing behind an offensive line that is not very good. Maybe it won't matter against the South Carolina team, but the real reason I, I wouldn't take Kentucky here and lay a lay a pretty big number is just Mark Stoops is such a better underdog than he is a favorite. The Kentucky head coach just. I feel like he's a coach that will get the most of his guys when they are underdogs. He'll let them know that they're underdogs and people aren't expecting them to do anything. But when they have to cover a number and, and win by win, not just win, but win by margin, it's a little bit of a different story with a coach like that. Uh, a, a team that plays super slow, as we saw against Ole Miss, where they were really milking the clock. And uh, because of the pace of play that they play at, uh, it's a little bit harder to lay uh, double digits uh, in a conference game. Against its South Carolina team who struggled, but uh, maybe they're with the extra time they had because they play, ended up playing Thursday because of Hurricane Ian, so they have a few extra days to prepare for this game. So um, I actually was thinking of betting South Carolina at least or considering it, uh, but I mean the number is kind of moving towards their way. So I think other people are kind of fading Kentucky, but if it does get below uh, ten, maybe that's an opportunity to uh, to buy on the Wildcats. If my uh, my reasoning to, to sway you off sway you off them uh, wasn't convincing enough. See, I, I, I like it at 10. 10 and a half is a little too much for me. Hopefully, I, I don't think it will get to 9 and a half, but if it gets to 9 and a half, I'm absolutely hammering Kentucky. I mean, this, this is a team that should have at least had a chance to beat Ole Miss in a better way. They left so many points out on the field. They still covered as a road dog at Ole Miss. I, I think there was just a lot more to this team than we saw. So I'm I'm high on Kentucky, and I think this is this might be the time to hit them as long as it stays at ten. Even better if it gets to nine and a half. Uh, market watch with some NFL teams. We got a couple NFL games to look at going into Sunday. Nate, the Titans have moved from a pick'em to minus two and a half at Washington at the Commanders. Titans have looked good, and the Commanders have looked bad. That's that's seemingly the reason behind this, at least in my opinion. I was not really impressed with Washington at all against the Cowboys on Sunday. They struggled to move the ball. The Cowboys defense we know was good, but Carson Wentz looked, it looked really bad. They, he looked bad. Yeah, I mean, the last three performances from the Commanders have been pretty horrific. Uh, the Lions game, and, and now looking at that loss, it looks even worse with the kind of how the Lions looked last week against the Seahawks, and then scoring two points against the Eagles. I know the Eagles are destroying everyone, but that was an embarrassing performance at home. And then, and then the Cowboys in a, in a game that was against Cooper Rush. And I, I know maybe he's better than, than we think or kind of have uh, rated, but I mean, I feel like that was, should have been a game where kind of the commanders needed to save their season, a game they definitely needed to have because they were avoiding the Cowboys with their starting quarterback and, and they failed to, uh, to, they lost the game and failed to cover. So 
I get where this line moves coming from. I know the Titans have won the last two games, being the Raiders and Colts as underdogs. But now it's kind of that situation where it's like Mike Vrabel is a favorite, a little bit different than the underdog. We're talking scary. about Mark Stoops is an yeah. underdog. I feel like Mark uh, Mike Vrabel is kind of the same mentality. Um, yeah. In the underdog role, as teams play better, and now having to lay points on the road, a team in the Titans that I still am not very high on, and I think there's a lot of you know perception that they were the uh, the team that won or was the best record in the AFC last regular season, but they're far, far from that quality of team. Um, so don't want to do it, but if the Commanders get to plus three, probably gonna have to have a bet on them just out of the out of principle and out of the numbers. I, I think at plus three in a game, I'd expect to be kind of low scoring. Uh, that Washington would have to be the bet. I don't know if I would tease them if it's data two and a half, just because there's like real bottom out potential of this commander's team and, and they're not good at all. So there's like a chance, I guess that Derek Henry can run all over them. Uh, but at plus three might have to make a bet on Washington just from a, from a math standpoint. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jets have been getting some money from plus six to plus three against the Dolphins, of course. It's because Tua is going to be out in this one. But Teddy Cover Bridgewater is going to be playing in this game, Nate. Teddy loves to cover. And now that the line is at a field goal, we know how good, I don't want to say how good, but the Jets look decent with Zach Wilson. I'll say that. The Jets look decent with him at quarterback. So they're playing the Dolphins without Tua. Teddy Bridgewater looked serviceable at the very least. But this line's now down to a field goal. Yeah, and I, I really don't think the drop-off between Tua and uh, Teddy Bridgewater is that much. So I, I think that no, the 6-3 to three is a little bit drastic. And I'm, I'm looking towards the Dolphins minus three in this game, even though it's in New York. The, I think the big thing here is the Dolphins have extra time to prepare and rest. Uh, remember last time we saw them, they were coming in that, to that game against the Bengals in a really tough spot where their defense was on the field for 90 plays. They had to travel on a short week to Cincinnati, and they actually played pretty well. But I think the fatigue of the team kind of showed as the game went on and the Bengals were able to get the cover and, of course, win. So I think this is a good maybe potential bounce-back spot for the Dolphins. I like the fact that the Jets are coming off a win where I, I really didn't think Wilson played that well. Uh, maybe he's just not good, but he did have <laughs> – I think that's a, I think that might be it. <laughs> right, but he, he he's had not the, good. he had the drive at the end to win the game, and everyone's going to think about that, remember that. And yeah. I think the Jets are getting a little bit too much credit or the way they beat the Steelers. So I think it's kind of a perfect storm where you're selling high on the Jets off a big win, 
and you're buying the Dolphins with a new quarterback who knows he was going to be starting all week, so he's going to be fully prepared for this game. So I think Teddy Bridgewater with a full week to prepare um, will have some success because he still has some pretty good weapons, and uh, Mike McDaniel seems like a a really good offensive mind. Um, The early returns are indicating that. So I like the Dolphins in this one, minus three or better. I know it's kind of leaking out to minus three and a half or or juiced three on Miami, but if I can get a a Miami minus three, and I think I'm going to wait a little bit just because there's some injury stuff with the Dolphins, not just at quarterback, uh, with some of their other players who were banged up either before the Thursday night game against the Bengals or after that game. So we'll get some injury reports on Wednesday, and maybe that gets back to minus three, and I'll probably bet the Dolphins there because I didn't miss out on the on the minus threes that were available on Tuesday. So you wanted to talk about Browns plus three. They're playing the Chargers uh, at home. You're thinking you're thinking Browns. You're thinking Cleveland in this game. Yeah, that, just they were like the team this week that kind of stuck out to me without doing too much research when I kind of saw the odds on Sunday night, Monday morning. A little bit of a gut pick for you. Yeah, exactly. So something I kind of want to dig more into, just kind of get your thoughts. Um, I just think at a full three, it's kind of a valuable bet. The Chargers traveling uh, again to the, you know, a couple time zones for an early start. Uh, a team in the in the tech or the 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 uh, Los Angeles Chargers who are I think closed minus five and a half against Houston, and now they're three against the the Browns and the Browns I think are not significantly better than Houston, but I, I'd say at least three points better than Houston, maybe more on a neutral field. So. I think this is kind of uh, the Chargers getting maybe a lot of credit for for beating the Texans in a game that actually could have gone either way in terms of the point spread late. And then the Browns bouncing back over uh, a game against the the Falcons where they definitely could have won and just couldn't execute in some situational football and ended up losing an hour two and two. So kind of like the Browns here to bounce back. I guess the thing I'm waiting on is to see if one of Miles Garrett or Jadavian Clowney can be back for this game because right now the Chargers' offensive line is a little bit of a mess. So if you can get one of those premier edge rushers, uh, that would be a big advantage for Cleveland's defense. And maybe uh, if that happens, then you know there's going to be a, a better chance that they'll uh, play well on defense against uh, Justin Herbert, who's still coming or battling that uh, fractured rib cartilage. So that's kind of my mindset. I think those lines should be more two, two and a half. So to get a full three of Cleveland, off a loss against a Chargers team who just won uh, is appealing to me. Yeah, there's there's a part of the Browns that I really like, but the fact that they lost to the Falcons is a little concerning for sure. I would like this line yeah. to get to three and a half. I don't know if it will. I know the Chargers are a bit of a of a, of a sexy pick in a way. A lot of people do like to bet the Chargers. They're, they're just, you got Justin Herbert, you got flashy wide receivers, you got some of the flashy jerseys, which somehow make a big difference to a lot of people. So people <laughs> people know, people recognize them, and they're going to start betting them, which is a really dumb way to bet, but they're going to get some money because of it. And plus three, I don't hate it. Home dogs for the Browns after a tough loss. I, it, the logic there to me makes sense, and I am I am way past. I've grown out of my betting Justin Herbert in the Chargers phase. I was big on betting Justin Herbert in the Chargers uh, last year. I really liked him, and I liked betting the team, and they never came through for me. They always let me down, and they're a team that consistently lets betters down, I think. Because even even in that game last week where they had the lead, they had a huge lead. You're like, all right, the Chargers are going to do well. They're going right. to win. They're going to cover against the Texans. And they almost blow it. 
So I don't, I definitely can't my, put my money behind the Chargers in any way, shape, or form. So if I'm going to have to bet this game and look at this game, Cleveland is absolutely a side I'm going to pick. As long as it stays at three or three and a half, I, I do like that pick. Yeah, I, I think also just, yeah, the Chargers, I, I can trust them. Maybe in the underdog role, it's, it's a different story because they definitely yeah, have the talent. Yeah, it's a little different for sure. Yeah, they have the talent to keep up with everyone, anyone um, in the league, I think. They can play with anyone on their best day. But then they come out and, like, them. against the Jaguars, absolutely no show two weeks ago. Yeah. And, and just because they beat the Texans, I feel like we forgot about that Jaguars performance, which is pretty concerning. And now in the road, on the road, I, I guess it doesn't really matter on the road or away for the Chargers because they don't have a home field advantage um, at all. And I remember last year they played this the Browns in L.A. Crazy game. The Chargers ended up winning, but there was so many Cleveland fans there. That was probably a, an e- equal amount of home field advantage. So, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm looking uh, early in the week. Browns, if, if you can get the full three on them. And uh, maybe if they have a negative injury report in terms of Garrett still out and then Clowney not back yet, maybe it gets to three and a half or, or, or plus three, plus 100 or something like that. All right, situations of the week. Let's go through these a little bit quickly here. We got the hangover game uh, with Wake Forest, which makes sense. I mean, Wake Forest has been impressive for the most. They, I think they've been impressing people. They've been impressing me. I didn't expect to see this good of play out of Wake Forest, but they got a hangover game coming up. Yeah, I was expecting a little bit of a letdown season from Wake Forest. You still have Sam Hartman, but just the other parts of the team aren't very good. Uh, but they come out, almost beat Clemson at home, and then last week have a nice response, beating Florida State as six-point underdogs in Tallahassee. Now after those two kind of crazy performances, the, the tough loss and then the, the big win, they have to play Army. And they're 17-point favorites against a triple-option team. I know they played Army last year in what was a crazy high-scoring game. But I could see Army at least covering the spread against a Wake Forest team off two big wins. And Wake Forest probably not thrilled having to prepare for a triple-option team uh, midway in the middle of the conference schedule. So uh, looking towards Army in that game. All right, we got some sandwich games as well. Clemson's an interesting one that you put on here because they're coming off a win against NC State, a home win, night game, crowd is raucous. They go to Boston College this week. It's another night game in Boston College. And then afterwards, because it's a sandwich game, they have to go to Florida State in two weeks. So they're coming off a big win against NC State. They're looking ahead to Florida State in two weeks, and they have to be stuck (laughs) with Boston College this week, Nate. Yeah, and Boston College is a team I thought is okay. They're scrappy. They're okay. They have a good uh, quarterback, Phil Dracovic. I think Jeff Halfley is a fine coach. The problem with Boston College this year, and probably what's going to keep me off betting them plus 20 and a half, uh, even though it's a big number, is Boston College offensive line is a complete mess. They lost four starters from last year's team. They have three or four other guys hurt, and Clemson's strength of the defensive line. So it's a big number. It's a tough spot for Clemson, but I also am a little bit afraid to get involved with this game because Clemson's defense is so good and Boston College's offensive line is bad. But I think it's a really intriguing sandwich spot because Clemson coming off that you know ABC primetime win against NC State that was really built up, and then next week play a Florida State team who – is definitely improved from the last few years. That used to be a, a big game. In the last few years, it wasn't a big game because Florida State's been so down. But I think this year it kind of has that juice again with Florida State playing well um, or kind of having a, a little bit of a resurgence despite the loss last week to Wake. 
classic Clemson getting better as the season goes on, seemingly. Uh, we have an NFL sandwich, the rare NFL sandwich game for the Bills. Coming off a win against the Ravens, come from behind victory against the Ravens on the road. They play the Steelers this Sunday, and then they have to go to the Chiefs in two weeks and play uh, and go to go to Kansas City and play the Chiefs. Right now, they're a, it looks like, what, 14-point favorite, two-touchdown favorite against yep. Pittsburgh at home. Uh, could be could be an interesting spot to hit Pittsburgh. A little sandwich game action from the Bills. Yeah, pitch, Steelers plus 14 is definitely a bet I'm considering this week. Uh, as you mentioned, the situation. You believe in Kenny Pickett. Um, New starter. I, I, I'm fine with it. I don't think he is a huge downgrade for Mitch Trubisky. No. Uh, I also like that he's like an older college quarterback, so he's not going to be like totally lost. I mean, it's a tough spot to have him play this game against the best team in the NFL on the road. Uh, but, you know, he's played a lot of co- has a lot of experience from playing college football. So I think he'll actually be OK in this game. And as you mentioned, I actually say that this is a hang or a sandwich game from the last two weeks, having to play the Dolphins, a mm-hmm. game that was really crazy. The offense on the field for 90 plays and 100 degree weather in South Florida. And then last week that come from behind game against the Bills. And then next week, the real big game of their season, the one they probably circled on the calendar when the schedule came out, playing the Chiefs, a team that they lost to the last two playoffs, and last year was a real heartbreaker for them, the way they lost that game. So you can see a little bit of a letdown here for the Bills just off the off the kind of the big win last week and just with the bigger game on deck and, and knowing that even though the Steelers did beat them in Buffalo last year, and they probably are going to have the right message not to overlook them, that the Steelers are a team as a big under, as a big underdog where this is pretty unprecedented. Like you never see the Steelers this big of an underdog, so they're kind of attractive to me um, in this situation for Buffalo fading the Bills. I can't believe you would put Michigan in a look ahead game. They should be looking ahead to Indiana, honestly. That, that's a look ahead game for Michigan. Well, that's why. Right. That's why I put it in here so we can we can mention the Hoosiers because I don't think we're going to be talking about them on Thursday's show. But yeah. No. There's there's actually a lot of uh, potential look ahead games I think in college football because the the week seven schedule is loaded, but yeah. I didn't want to put like USC and Utah in because like I just feel like those teams are kind of focused on the games at hand one week at a time. But if Michigan did want to look ahead, I wouldn't blame them to looking ahead because they play Penn State at home next week, coming off that win at Iowa where they lead you know Ann Arbor for the first time this year. But I don't think Iowa is good enough to make this like a true sandwich game. But I think this is a real real uh, look-ahead potential for Michigan, especially laying 22 points at Indiana. Don't think Indiana's good at all, but I can see them covering this game late, knowing that this is kind of one of their big games of the year whenever Michigan comes to town. So Michigan, I could see them, even though Harbaugh is not really in him to take his foot off the gas, I could see him doing that in this situation uh, with that huge game against Penn State on deck in Ann Arbor for Week 7. Prepping his team for uh, some Penn State action. It's it's not below Indiana to uh, cover some of these high spreads, especially at home. You're going to have uh, the big big noon college kickoff coming to town, so the hype's going to be surrounding the game. Yep. Indiana stinks. They are a really bad football team, but, 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 Nate, they can cover large spreads, at least of three scores. Be a little pesky backdoor cover here and there. I think I can see them doing that. It's a very Tom Allen thing for him to coach a team. They're going to play terribly. He's going to have some terrible coaching calls. But somehow, some way, he's going to backdoor cover this stupid game. Uh, Thursday night football game. We got Indy. We got Denver. We got the Broncos favored by three with that total at 43 and a half. 
This is uh this might be a bit of an ugly game. Yeah. This might be an ugly game. And we, Jonathan Taylor has been in and out of practice. Not sure if he's going to even be playing. And we know Denver's down there running back. This could get ugly. And I don't know if I'm not going to ride for this game. I don't. I, Russ needs to leave. You can't, he needs to stop telling people, let's ride. He needs to focus on these games. Get me some fantasy points to begin with. But it's going to be tough against a, a decent, decent Colts defense. Yeah, honestly, I don't have much on this game, and it, it all revolves around the injuries and just needing to know more information of what's going on here. You mentioned Jonathan Taylor banged up for the Colts. Uh, Shaquille Leonard, star middle linebacker, has already been ruled out for concussion. On the other side, Javante Williams just tore his ACL, and he's a, a key piece of that Broncos offense. They have a lot of other guys just looking at their injury report uh, right now. is it's a, it's a long list, and the game is – in about 48 hours. So you just have to wonder who's going to be on the field. I know in, the, in, in terms of the point spread in this game, uh, look headline was two and a half. Colts lose at home as favorites to the Titans. Broncos lose to the Raiders. Uh, but I think with the short week factors and the travel, a couple time zones for the Colts, um, with the elevation uh, that, you know, the Broncos minus three makes sense in this game. It did get up to three and a half. I guess there's some buyback though on the Colts. So, Sitting at three, I'd expect kind of an ugly low-scoring game and, and not one that I, I'd imagine myself having any bets on unless there is something drastic with the injury situation that creates some sort of opportunity. Nate, I like the under. I really do. I mean, I talked about this game being ugly to start it out. I think that's what it's going to be, and I think that favors the under. I don't. Matt Ryan fumbles every time he touches the ball somehow, and Russell Wilson really hasn't inspired any confidence to consistently lead any offensive drives. Under 43 and a half, if I can get that over 42, that key number, I'll take the under for sure in this game. It's a prime time Thursday night, early in the week. Teams don't have a lot of time to prepare. It's going to be at elevation. I, I really like the under for this one. As long as it stays above 42, 42 and a half, give me under 43 and a half in this one. I just looked at the first half markets, and uh, I think it's pretty telling that the full game under is 43, 43 and a half, but the first half is only 20 and a half. So oh, God. That, must, that must be because usually not. So I guess in a more, you know, sophisticated market like the NFL, uh, it's a little different, but a lot of times you see just like whatever the full game spread is, the first half is just half of that. So I would have expected maybe 21 and a half for this game, but the yep. fact that it's on the other side of 21, which is kind of important in terms of betting first half, so 20 and a half must've means that someone went, went out, bet this first half under with the injury situation going on for both teams. And, and I definitely don't disagree with it. Um, and, and this game just kind of being a lower scoring, boring game, two teams. I kind of had high hopes on, or definitely had high hopes on the Colts uh, going in the year. And they've very, really disappointed. And I would love for them to win. Team I was, I thought would be better than they are. Let's just put it that way. So um, yeah. Going in the year when I saw this game on the schedule, I was thinking, oh, these teams could be awesome and rolling, and this could be one of the better Thursday night games. And it's really anything but, especially when you add in the injuries to a lot of key players for both teams. It's going to be gross. It's not going to be a fun Thursday night game. And especially if you're betting the under, you're going to be hoping for a lot of fumbles, a lot of punts. It's just gross play all around. That's what I'm going to be rooting for. I don't even know if I'm going to watch it. If I'm betting the under in this game, I don't even know if it's worth my time to watch a game like this when you're when you want the under to hit. Either way, Nate, we're going to be back on Thursday. We're going to have all our best bets. We've been rolling for four for four last week. We're going to try to make it eight for eight. 
I may have a bunch of best bets for college football. I really like this slate coming up this weekend. So it's going to be fun. You can find the, the picks on, on Google Sheets. We posted it on Stadium Bets. You can find all the videos on Stadium Bets. Rate, subscribe, review. We'd love to hear from you. You can tweet at us. And, of course, we have all our articles that come out on WatchStadium.com throughout the week with Nate with his NFL articles. And we all have our college football articles as well. We'll see you on Thursday with all of our picks. 